Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. remembers the film Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Because stood here right now, that thing coming in, it's re- I, I can kind of see you, I hope you can see me. They're not normally that bright, I don't know if they can be dimmed slightly. So um, last week, uh, Richard Jones started us out on this season that we're, we're in now all about harvest time. And uh, his title was Harvest on the Way. Mine is, it's harvest time. And if you remember, Rich, uh, he talked about the harvest being great and the harvest being ready. If you weren't here last week, really quickly, the harvest is great, it's big. The harvest is ready, it's white. That we're anointed, he said and we're sent. And do you remember he, uh, he talked about everybody walking around looking at their mobile phones that go out at lunchtime from work and they're walking yeah. along the pavement, bumping into things and falling into fountains and he showed us a video. And he encouraged us to look up. He talked about we're always on the way somewhere. On the way to church, yeah. on the way to work, on the way to the shop. We're on the way somewhere. And I thought he played on that really well. In other words, it's while we're on the way that we've got to look up and see the harvest. Uh, and he talked very briefly at the end about, about doing good. And today, my aims are, uh, are, are simple. And I've got three points that I want to, to share. And, and I'd like us to get a little bit practical this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit has shown me something around the need for all of us to come into a new level of faith which dispels fear. Because fear is the enemy of faith. You can't be in fear and walking by faith. You have to face your fears, deal with them. That's why the Bible says we're more than conquerors. We've got to conquer something. We've got to face something to be a conqueror. We're more than conquerors. We're the people of faith. And so I'm not altogether sure how, but I trust that that will become clearer to uh, the elders and myself, just how we impart that, how we minister, how we equip today. I, I want to be equipped more today, and I'm up here sharing the word. So I'm counting myself in. Um, I, I would like the Lord to help me today overcome my fears even more that I might be even more of a witness for him and to him. So if we can turn to uh, Luke 10, 25. (coughs) 
Luke 10.25 is the well-known parable of the Good Samaritan. And this is really just as a bit of a backdrop to the three points that I'd like to share today. Verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took compassion on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, that's roughly two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will imburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? asked Jesus. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. If you can put the next slide up, please. There's a lot in this passage that we've heard in previous teaching about how much the Samaritans and the Jews 2,000 years ago were sort of at war. They hated each other, had no time for each other, certainly wouldn't stop on the road to help each other. And Jesus was making a very powerful point to this lawyer of the day who was trying to test him. And he was, he was making a very powerful point saying, the very person that you wouldn't expect to stop is the one who stopped. Not the man of the cloth, maybe on his way to a, uh, a, a Bible meeting. Not the helper uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the faith, the, the Levite the very person that you wouldn't expect to stop the enemy. But that's not what I want to focus on today. I want to focus on four verses. That slide's not showing properly, actually, but don't worry. He was moved by compassion. Verse 33. When he saw him, he took compassion on him. Some translations say pity. The words are interchangeable. Verse 34, he willingly gave his time. He actually spent the night looking after this man in the hotel. He willingly gave his money, initially two days' wages, so not just a small amount. It wasn't a £20 note. He gave of his own means. And then he followed things up afterwards, because he said, when I come back, if I owe you anything else, I'll pay it. He was moved by compassion. He willingly gave his time. He willingly gave his money. 
and he followed things up afterwards. I wonder whether someone once did that for you. I remember my great friend, my neighbor, for two years after he got saved, doing everything he possibly could to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with me until one night in 1985, on the 18th of November, at 1.30 in the morning, I asked Jesus to come into my life, forgive me of my sin, and give me a brand new start. Just hold that thought as we get into the three points that I've got. If we could have the next slide, please. You know what? The gospel is literally the good news. It's the good news that God loves the world, that his son died on the cross, rose from the dead, defeated death, so that we could also share in his resurrection in new life. It's a death and a resurrection. It really is all about the power of God. And and it's really important that we we grasp a hold of this. If you could turn with me to Romans 1.16, please. Romans 1.16. What I want us to understand here is that God does a miracle in new birth. We don't use clever techniques to try and win someone over to praying a prayer that is in grey at the back of the Jesus booklet that we give out at Alpha. (laughs) We're not trying to persuade someone to join our church. Sorry, that's just a club if that's what we're doing. This scripture that has impacted many ministries over many, many centuries says this, Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. You might be saying, yeah, I know that, Si. It's God who saves. Yeah, but you know what? When we really, really grasp that it's the power of God, it changes how we function. We stop trying. And man, is that good news. We stop trying, trying to find an angle in a conversation, trying to work up the courage. (laughs) Instead, we look to God and we say, Lord, would you save my friend? Because only you can do that. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That scripture, by the way, is in the context of salvation. Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're saying, how on earth can a man ever get saved, especially a rich man? He says, with man it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I can't save anybody. Salvation is the result of a powerful divine act of deliverance from sin and death, preventing someone from going to hell. A word we don't hear much these days. You ought to do what I've done recently and listen to a few Billy Graham preachers from the 70s. Awesome. Billy Graham believed in hell. Gave his life to preventing as many people as possible from ever going there. 
It's a literal salvation, a literal death and resurrection. Hallelujah. If we can't drag someone into the kingdom of God, it's pointless trying. We'll just get frustrated or at best help people join our club. So here's the key. It's all about Jesus. We'll need the anointing that Richard Jones talked about last week. It's all about Jesus. Pray for God to save your friend. Ask him, to, ask him to give you the right words to assist him in his harvest with you and me being a co-worker. We're co-workers with Christ. Sarah Jones this morning at the prayer meeting had a moving and powerful vision. She saw Jesus stood in front of her and he showed her his feet. And with tears in her eyes, she said, Lord, why are you showing me your feet? And she realized they were the feet that walked to her and and gave her salvation, the free gift of salvation. They were the feet that have walked alongside her in life, helping her, with her every minute of every day. The feet of Jesus. We need the power of God to be seen, to be heard, to be known. It's interesting, on Alpha, on one occasion a few years ago, there were four people all at once that all prayed together to be saved. It was amazing. But the incredible thing was this. God gave me a picture for each of them. Really quickly, as each were praying the prayer together, God gave me a picture for each of them because he was doing the work, not me. I was just the co-worker. I was the son with his father and the father was doing his saving work of grace. I was alongside Jesus as his helper. I was helping with the prayer, but Jesus rushed into their lives and saved them and he gave me a picture for each of them. When Tony and Juliet were born again on Alpha, hi guys, week four, maybe week five, I looked at them and I knew in my spirit that it was time for them to ask Jesus into their lives and to get peace with God. And I asked them, with all faith, guys, would you like to get your lives right with Jesus? And they both said, yes. And as they asked the Lord into their lives, as they said, God, forgive me for my sin. Come and be my Lord. I had this picture for them of these two great big wheels, interlocking cogs, starting to turn. I shared the picture before. I had no idea what it meant at the time, though. No idea what it meant at the time. But they knew what it meant in their marriage. They knew what it meant in that first day of saved, sanctified, God-filled living. Salvation is a miracle and it takes the power of God. Why don't we all relax and stop trying in our own strength and ask the Lord of the harvest to save and then do what he tells us to do? Grab the next slide, please. Count yourself in. How easy is it to count yourself out? Man alive, Monday morning. The alarm goes off. Oh, work. 
Thursday evening, six o'clock. Oh, I'm so tired. Life group. All the sin that so easily entangles, maybe. It trips you again. It tangles you again. We're human. But we've touched the divine. And he says, we're in. We're all in. He accepts us by grace. A grace that we will never fully understand but it's the grace that says, you're in. It's the grace that says, you're in. Count yourself in. As Rich shared last week, you know, to be effective in the harvest field, it all starts with us being right with God, full of the Holy Spirit. It's God who saves, so as his co-workers, we need to be hearing his voice daily. And this will primarily be through reading the Word and spending time with His Holy Spirit in this. I'll say more about that in a moment. But I just want to read um, a couple of paragraphs from Arna Scargan's book. Thank God it's Monday. We all got one of these from, uh, as a gift from the elders a few years ago. Do you remember? It's time to dust them down. It's time to dust them down because this is the season we're in right now. Let's make the most of it. We're in harvest season. The elders are taking us through a season of harvest time, which includes us being equipped, but it also includes us leading some people to Christ. This is amazing. Listen to this. Thank you, Anna, if you're listening. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus when he was baptised by John in the River Jordan. At that very moment, he heard the voice of his father say, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Jesus heard these words before he had actually started in his ministry. The father was not commending him for something he'd already done or bragging about some great thing he'd accomplished by saying, Well done, my boy. Instead, he was confirming unconditional love for his son. Our Heavenly Father is saying the same thing to us through the Holy Spirit. He is saying, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, you bring me great joy. i read that again. Our Heavenly Father is saying the same thing to us through the Holy Spirit. He's saying... My beloved son, my beloved daughter, you bring me great joy. My beloved son, my beloved daughter, you bring me great joy. The Father's love establishes a safe border around the communication between you and the Holy Spirit. As a son and daughter, you do not have to strain your neck or listen intently to try and hear his voice, you can relax and hear your father's familiar and beloved voice speak to you. Evangelism is important, but it should never be the first priority. 
Being followers of Jesus is the most important thing. The fruits of following him are many and varied, and one of them is that we walk with Jesus as he makes us into fishers of men. But the priority isn't evangelism. The the priority is our walk with God. It means read the word, be acquainted with the Bible, line up your life with the life of Christ, and then see how fruitful you might become in the witness. There's a scripture that is not, to me, particularly well known. I'm not sure I've heard it preached before, but if you turn to it with me, 1 Timothy 4.16. I think we sometimes look at the whole passage, but I want to go into this particular verse, 1 Timothy 4.16. It says this, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I think this is a strategic scripture, if I can put it like that. What the Holy Spirit is telling us here is, be in the word, be in love with me, fellowship with me every day. Watch your life. Line up with me. Spend time with me, be with me. Because if you do, if you persevere in your walk of faith with me in the word every day, fellowshipping with me, your Holy Spirit, every day, then you'll save yourself and your hearers. I think you'll save yourself from a lot of trouble and bother and worry and stress, but you'll save your hearers. What a promise right there, that if we're right with him, then the people in our sphere of operation will be saved in our hearing. That is awesome. In this scripture, the promise is clear to persevere with God in life and doctrine, which is the word of God. You'll really struggle to count yourself in if you're not reading your Bible, if you're not meeting with God in your Bible daily. This must be settled, guys. I have so many conversations with so many people about being in the Word every day. I know it's a big deal. When I started to read the Word every day and fellowship with God every day, it changed my life. I mean, that wasn't the day I got saved. I mean, I was a Christian several years, up and down with my emotions and everything else. But when I settled this, when I had a revelation that being in the Word was spending time with Him, changed my life. Liz, my wife, same testimony. Major breakthrough in her life when she started to read the Word every day and enjoy reading it. Find something that works for you. If it's a daily reading plan, do it. For me, I'm far more all over the place, but I love the Word, and I read it first thing. Rarely is there a day when I have to get up so quickly with the alarm going off that I can't read his word. I've built in time. And I listen to podcasts in the car. I've got the Bible on an app, which, which I can play back. NIV voice is awful. 
isn't it? Awful. NLT, though, you get music. When it's a lady speaking, you get a lady speaking. When it's a man speaking, you get a man speaking. It's great. There's no excuse, guys, is there? Come on. Let's be in the word. The benefits are absolutely substantial. As they say on the aeroplane, in the unlikely event of a sudden loss in cabin pressure, oxygen masks may come down from the panel above your head. Please apply your own before helping others. If we don't have a five pound note and somebody needs a fiver, we can't help them. And it's exactly the same in your faith. If you're running on empty, when you need to put your foot down, you're not going to have any fuel. We need to be in the word. We need to apply it to ourselves first. Be fresh in him so that we can be about his business as co-workers in his harvest field. Here's just one more thought, if you're still not counting yourself in 100%. Jesus fed over 5,000 people with a little boy's packed lunch. So what can he do with your life and mine if we give it him? Remember, it's the power of God that leads to salvation, not the power of Simon. Count yourself in and God will use you. I just feel to pray, guys. Can we just stand together? If anyone was nodding off, that caught you out. (laughs) Oh my goodness, what's happening now? I fell asleep in a board meeting once. At the point, the CEO said, Simon, what do you think of my last point? And the whole room roared with laughter, and I was severely reprimanded. Um, I was sort of of forgiven. It had been a very busy week. We need to count ourselves in, don't we? Holy Spirit, as we stand before you as your body, one part of your body here in Stony Stanton, but shoulder to shoulder with your people around the world with the same heart as us for Jesus to be known. We say this, Lord, count me in. Count me in. Count me in. Count me in. Let's say it together. Count me in. Lord, we want to be a co-worker with you who isn't striving and stressed and worried, but who knows his God is all-powerful and able to save and save to the uppermost. Lord Jesus Christ, we say this morning, count us in we count ourselves in. We'll say yes, Lord, when we hear your voice. We'll say yes, Lord, when we hear your prompting. We'll say yes, Lord, 
in the week when our compassion lands on an individual. We'll say yes, Lord, and we'll look to you that you would use us, that we would be a co-worker with you, Lord Jesus, this week. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you. Please sit down. On, uh, on holiday, I love uh, being away in August because August is meteor month. The Perseids meteor shower is the best of the year and it's normally around the 12th, 13th of, of August. And uh, I get the sunbed out and I lie there, let my eyes get adjusted to the dark sky, turn off all the lights wherever we are. Some people are nodding because we've been on holiday together. And... and and we wait, the kids, and if we were friends. And we, and often people say, okay, Simon, come on then, show us. And there's just that little edge of not really sure we're going to see much. And then all of a sudden, shoo, actually doesn't make any sound at all, but <laughs> that's, that's for the podcast. <laughs> shoo, whoa! And there's always someone that goes, what? What? I didn't see it. And we wait another minute or two, and then there's the next one. You know what? I've seen thousands of meteors, and I'm not exaggerating. Literally thousands. You've probably seen a few, maybe 10. Maybe some of you have seen hundreds. I hope some of you have seen thousands, but I'll bet the majority in the room have only ever seen a handful. The reason is simple. I look up more. I look up more. I'm always spotting something up there. I love astronomy and I love clouds as well. I look up in the day as well. Liz often says, concentrate on the road because I'm sort of... (laughs) Lift up your heads, O ye gates, that the King of glory may come in. Richard said last week, lift up your heads. I've got the same word. Surprise, surprise. We've got one God. He's awesome. And he's telling us at the moment to lift up our heads. We do need to leave our phones in our pockets when we're walking around. That's a practical bit of advice from Richard. But more than that, we need to look up and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know what? We will see stars all around us that are made in God's image. Beautiful people that Jesus died for. We'll see them in their thousands if we lift our heads up. And God will help us know what to say to those people. Jean, would you help me? Jean. Go back a long way, don't we, Jean? Just stay where you are. Don't move from where you are and tell me how many people you can touch. Literally. Try and touch. About behind you, could you reach round? Probably five. Definitely five, maybe six. So without going anywhere else, there are five people that you can touch. And that is an example of our lives. Without going anywhere, there'll be a handful of people in your harvest field that you're already reaching, and you can be more and more effective in reaching them as you take the pressure off, become a co-worker with Christ, which we're already doing, 
and start to listen to what he wants to say to those people. Without even moving from your chair, Gene, you can touch five people. And that's just an example in our life of people that God's already given us. We often wonder, where is our harvest field? It's the people around us that God's given us. It really is as simple as that. In, don't turn to these, but in Matthew 12, Mark 2 and Luke 6, Jesus is walking through the harvest field with his disciples and they're all picking some heads. You'll remember the story. They're all picking some heads of grain. It's a beautiful illustration of how simple it is for us to recognize our harvest field. One of the reasons the harvest is ripe is because these people around us, they've been watching us. They've been watching our lives. They've been listening to us. And with some of them, it's time for us to harvest, to pick a head of grain, to bring it into the kingdom. For some of those friends and some of those contacts, God can give you the word that you need if you just take the pressure off. Acknowledge that it's the power of God that leads to salvation. If you don't have that many non-Christian contacts, then maybe you need to join a club or get involved in a group. I go to a high-energy male sports class on a Tuesday night. It's called Pilates. (laughs) It's great. Recommend it. I've been going along for a a couple of months or so now, and last week, one of the guys said, oh, Simon, why don't you come to the pub with us afterwards? Brilliant. I'm in. I don't mean I'm in for evangelism. I'm in. They accept me. Suddenly, I'm going going to the pub with five guys. Gospel, here we come, because I love them. They're my neighbor. And some, some of them have got some stuff going in their lives, some health issues, which is why they're doing Pilates. It's to help them physically. But I know that as a greater help. So some of us might need to get involved in some clubs. When you've been a Christian a long time, you can have a lot of Christian friends. But Jesus was accused of being a friend of sinners. Could we be accused of that? Could we turn to the final scripture, please, which is 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. Here we hear Paul. sharing how he interrelates with the people around him. And there are some real real keys in here for us. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I've become a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I have become like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I've become weak, to win the weak. 
I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Paul is saying, I try to relate to people, to connect with them right where they are in their situation. He's compassionate and interested in them. He gets down into their place and relates to them. I'm sure that many of your friends and colleagues at times have just shared something with you that um, is, is a problem that they're struggling with. That's harvest language. Yeah. I'm sure at times our friends and, and, and family have said something to us about a, a job change or a money worry or something that's going in, on, on in their life where, you know what, they need a bit of support. That's harvest language. And we're there to give them that support, aren't we? But in that moment, look up. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And what he gives you, use. It will surprise you. It will surprise you because it's the power of God. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. It will surprise you if you do what the Holy Spirit gives you to do. If we could just have the final slide up, please. I'd like to propose today that it's our turn, our time, if you like, to be the Good Samaritan. That might sound really straightforward, but you know what? If we acknowledge it's the power of God himself at work through us, and if we count ourselves in, if we look up and recognize the harvest that God has already given us, and if we act with great compassion... I believe that we can see a real shift in the way God uses us day by day, week by week. On Wednesday night, I met with a a guy and we had a pint together and I shared the gospel for about an hour. And then we sat in our car outside the pub and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. It was amazing, actually. We, uh, I, I just turned the ignition on because we've been in the car a while uh, just for the air conditioning. And the radio came up heart, just as I was saying to him, it's all about your heart. Simple, I know, but it's amazing what God will do when we look to him and we take the pressure off us and we do it his way. That's my message, guys. I have no more. I would like us to pray for a particular group of people. We can all struggle with fear. A fear of rejection. A fear of uh, what might come back at us if we, if we step out. A fear that we might get it wrong. A fear that we've not really heard God. And I'd like us, with you, you guys, if you can help, just how... how how, how can we tackle this thing called fear that is freezing us? That is the enemy of faith. Does anybody share that with me? Does anybody sometimes think, oh my goodness, I'm just... Is it me? Thank you. It's not just me, is it? The problem we've got, guys, is that fear is an enemy of faith and we need to face it head on and beat it.
and we'll do that by the power of God in our lives. Let's stand together. Let's just let the Holy Spirit minister here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Shendro sapratola marepo shendro samalento kareasomashe. Thank you, Lord. Ke prosandaretola mashepro sambalapotrasan moshakresamalamo. Ke tresandro sapratola mashepro sambarato kareshentola maseko. Thank you, Lord, that the gospel is the power of God that leads to salvation. Thank you, God, that we don't have to strive. We just have to line up with you and be about your business. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we might take a hold of you afresh today to be those who would be bold, that we'd hear your voice and that we would go with it, that we would step out in the power of God and not in our own strengths, that you would do what only you can do and that we would be your co-workers in the harvest field. God, I pray against fear this morning. We bind it in Jesus' name. And we say in our hearts, and we say with our mouths, we're in, Lord. We're a part of your body. You've not saved me for no reason. You've not filled me with your spirit for no reason. No, you've filled me with your spirit that I will be a witness to Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone in this room for a fresh infilling of your spirit that your witness would be more strong, more clear, more Holy Spirit clear than ever before from our church. We will see the divine opportunities and take them. But we will not strive, Lord. We will simply look to you, lifting up our heads, listening to your voice, and then doing what you give us to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church, and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.